Welcome to Bradley's Micro Board Review, where we try to make your board's review for microbiology a little less painful. But, I mean, we're not magicians or anything. This still sucks. Today is March 4th, and we're going to talk about Helicobacter pylori and Vibrio species. Ah, that classic love story, ulcers in the time of cholera. Sorry, what? That's not the name of the book? Oh no, that messes up everything. Uh, just, how do I turn this off? Helicobacter pylori is the number one cause of peptic and duodenal ulcers. Most patients are asymptomatically colonized with H. pylori, and it's possible that they never have any symptoms. It's unclear why some patients, this organism is more virulent, but possibly has to do with the amount of organism at any given time. This organism is unique in where it lives. It actually lives inside the stomach. To survive in this ridiculous environment, the organism secretes urease, which neutralizes a small section of stomach acid around the organism so it can survive. The bacteria will eventually attach to the stomach epithelium and burrow into the lining to avoid being flushed out with the stomach contents. This can cause bouts of gastritis or remain asymptomatic forever. In making the pH more basic, the organism creates ammonia as a byproduct. This will damage the epithelial cells and begins to damage the gastric mucosa to the point where it creates a peptic or duodenal ulceration. Peptic ulcerations are typically worsened with food and duodenal ulcers are relieved with food. This can cause the patient to have nausea, vomiting, fever, and a persistent abdominal pain that can last months. If this infection is not treated properly, the constant inflammation and constant epithelial proliferation to heal the wounds can lead to gastric adenocarcinoma. It has also been associated with mucosal-associated lymphatic tissue lymphomas, or MALT lymphomas, which are non-Hodgkin's lymphomas. To diagnose this infection, the best method is by detecting anti-helicobacter IgG antibodies in the serum, but you can only use this prior to therapy since the patient will still be positive for antibodies even after the infection has been cleared. You can also detect antigens in the stool, which is most often used to check to make sure you've cleared the organism from the patient. The most famous method is the urea breath test, although most scientists agree that it's not very sensitive. Typically, the patient will swallow radio-labeled urea, and you'll detect whether or not it's broken by the urease created by H. pylori. Treatment is called bismuth quadruple therapy, which includes bismuth substrate, metronidazole, tetracycline, and a proton pump inhibitor. Vibrio species are a gram-negative curved rods that can grow in salt water. They don't require it, but they can grow in it. They have a single flagellum, which helps them navigate the salty and brackish waters where they normally live. There are three Vibrio species that are important to human health. Vibrio vulnificus is a waterborne organism that causes myonecrosis with 70% mortality and sepsis with 50% mortality. This typically infects patients who collect, harvest, or eat bivalves like oysters. Oysters are filter feeders and can collect and harbor these organisms. Treatment for this is going to be immediate surgical debridement and antibiotics to prevent spread. Vibrio parahemolyticus is the number one cause of seafood-related gastroenteritis. 
It is typically transmitted through eating oysters. It will cause explosive watery diarrhea that resolves within 72 hours. Treatment for this is just gonna be fluid replacement. The most famous though is Vibrio cholerae, which causes cholera. This is typically waterborne and is either endemic in the region or occurs as epidemics in contaminated water sources, especially after natural disasters like tsunamis or earthquakes. This can cause profuse watery diarrhea and is typically described as rice water stool. This is because the patient has pooped out all of the fecal matter and is now just excreting water, electrolytes, and epithelial cells from the lining of the gut. You have to be very careful about dehydration that can occur in these patients, and this, this is the deadly part of cholera, especially without treatment. There is a live attenuated vaccine and a few killed vaccines that can be given to travelers if they're going to an endemic area. Cholera toxin is the most famous virulence factor of all time. No, that's not a debatable fact. This is the classic AB toxin. The B subunit binds to the receptor on the enterocytes and the A subunit does the action. The A subunit activates the GS subunit of adenyl cyclase, increasing cyclic AMP, which activates a few different ion channels, causing the secretion of electrolytes, and water will osmotically follow, creating this watery diarrhea. The diarrhea is caused by the cholera toxin, not an invasion into the gastric mucosa, which is why this diarrhea is never bloody and often called a secretory diarrhea instead of an inflammatory diarrhea. There is a differential media called thiosulfate citrate bile salts sucrose, or TCBS agar. It contains bile salts to inhibit gram-positives, sucrose for fermentation, a high salt concentration, an alkaline pH, and allows for sulfur reduction, all to selectively grow Vibrio species. If the growth on TCBS agar is yellow, then you're looking at Vibrio cholerae. If the growth is blue or green, then it's Vibrio parahemolyticus or vulnificus. Now let's take all that knowledge and bring it to the boards. A 24-year-old male presents to the emergency department with a two-day history of abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. His temperature was 98 degrees Fahrenheit, blood pressure was 117 over 70, pulse was 72 beats per minute, and a respiratory rate was 14 breaths per minute. He has experienced chronic, crampy, intermittent epigastric pain for the past three years and has experienced a 13-pound unintended weight loss over the past two months. Physical examination revealed a non-distended abdomen that was soft with mild tenderness in the epigastrum. Bowel sounds were normal. Lab studies reveal leukocytosis and a high level of C-reactive protein. An upper endoscopy revealed few non-bleeding gastric atrium erosions and multiple clean-based duodenal ulcers. If this condition remains untreated, what is the most likely complication? Is it A. Barrett esophagus, B. Kaposi sarcoma, C. Burkett lymphoma, or D. Malt lymphoma? 
First, diagnose the patient. The patient is presenting with several duodenal ulcerations. No medications were listed, therefore the most likely cause of the ulcerations is an infection with Helicobacter pylori. Barrett esophagus is a long-term complication for patients with undiagnosed gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD. It is not typically associated with Helicobacter pylori infections. B. Kaposi sarcoma is when patches of abnormal tissue grow on the skin and oral cavity, which is caused by a long-term infection with human herpes virus 8. C. Burkitt lymphoma is a lymphoma that is very aggressive and usually forms fast-growing masses around the jaw and neck, especially affecting young males. This is caused by an infection with Epstein-Barr virus. The most common cancerous complication of untreated Helicobacter pylori infection is actually gastric cancer, but this wasn't listed in the answer choices. Another cancerous growth associated with H. pylori is the formation of lymphomas within the mucosal-associated lymphoid tissue, or MALT, which normally present as masses found on colonoscopy. Therefore, the correct answer is D, MALT lymphoma. A 49-year-old male presents to the emergency room with fever, chills, and severe pain and swelling in both lower extremities for the past four hours. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 103 Fahrenheit, a blood pressure of 90 over 60, a pulse of 150 beats per minute, and a respiratory rate of 25 breaths per minute. Physical examination reveals that the skin over the lower legs and buttocks was erythematous with areas of necrosis in the absence of crepitus. The patient works as a fisherman off the coast of South Carolina. Tissue biopsy cultured an aerobic gram-negative curved bacillus that produced green colonies on TCBS auger. What is the most likely causative agent? A. Vibrio cholerae B. Vibrio vulnificus C. Vibrio parahemolyticus or D. Helicobacter pylori. First, diagnose the patient. This patient is presenting with fever, swollen reddened tissues, tachycardia, hypotension, and tachypnea. The areas on the legs show areas of necrosis, which is highly suggestive of myonecrosis. This is a necrotic condition, especially of the muscle tissues, and can occur with or without crepitus. If it occurs with crepitus, this is called gangrene. This is a surgical emergency and should be sent to the OR immediately. Vibrio cholerae, choice A, is a common cause of profuse watery diarrhea. This organism would produce yellow colonies on TCBS auger because it can ferment sucrose that is within the auger. Vibrio vulnificus can cause myonecrosis when it is directly inoculated into open wounds like those that commonly occur during the work conditions of fishermen. Vibrio species also love warm, salty waters like those on the coast of South Carolina. Vibrio vulnificus will produce green colonies on TCBS auger because it doesn't ferment sucrose. Vibrio parahemolyticus is a great guess. It would definitely fit the description of the organism that was grown in culture, including growing green colonies on TCBS auger. However, this is more often a cause of gastroenteritis instead of myonecrosis. 
Helicobacter pylori can sometimes cause sepsis if it disseminates from the stomach, but it is not often associated with myonecrosis. It is a gram-negative curved rod, but this is a microaerophile and would not grow on TCBS auger due to the high salinity. Therefore, the correct answer is B, Vibrio vulnificus. You can find our study calendar, a guide on how to study microbiology specifically for the boards, our contact email address, and references used to make this episode at thebradleylab.wordpress.com. If you appreciated this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend. See you tomorrow.